Welcome to Probably Science. I'm your host, one of one of three, in fact. I'm Jesse Case. This is two of three, Andy Wood. And this is Matt Kirshen. I'm still making tea. Sorry, that's what the clanking is in the background. Uh, oh, you're, just... you, you were really making tea. You really, really were. Look, look, yeah, I, this, is, this is happening right now. I don't know if you can hear. Oh, I just thought you were making fun of your own Britishness or something. Yeah. You're actually, you really are making tea. Well, we are a collection of... I think of... he's urinating and using yeah. this as an excuse. <laughs> he is. He's clearly peeing. That yeah, but like I, I dunk a tea bag into it afterwards just to keep things real. <laughs> sure. You, you you pee and then uh, dunk a tea bag into the upper part of the toilet. Uh, you yeah. you sort of tea bag it. Okay. Establish still dominance. young enough yeah. to pee that hot. I'm impressed. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's known as the uh, the upper gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are yeah. elites, and we have we have uh, invited a fellow elite to join us in our <laughs> <laughs> smarter than thou podcast this week. It's the wonderful talented Joel Stein. Oh, thank you for introducing me that way. Do you find that if you have a bunch, I mean, you got a British guy, but the other three of us, we're going to sound the same. No one's going to be able to tell who's talking. Yeah, we are indistinguishable. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have tea in front of me. I already finished my coffee. I'm trying to think of what other elite drinks I can pour. I guess I should yeah. brew some kombucha. Yes, perfect. We, it, oh. it, it is worth pointing out also that uh, on Joel's very own website, the cursor turns into a monocle. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That cost extra. <laughs> I bet. Speaking so, of elitism, are are uh, are you guys going to be paying the twenty dollars or whatever? Did you have you seen on Twitter? Do you see the yes, thing? I saw that. There's zero chance. They'll, I mean, this is like the opposite of Web three, right? The idea is we were supposed to be paid for our content, and right, now right. instead, oh, the idea of paying to be a blue check mark is well, and it, it immediately becomes the least cool thing. You're the biggest. You're you're like the biggest nerd if you do have a blue check mark after that. It also becomes re- meaningless, right? I mean, this is right. like paying for a Wikipedia page or something. It, it loses its, all of its meaning immediately. Wait, can we back up? I haven't heard this. This is as of oh, today. Sorry. This yeah. is brand new. This or? is hot off the press, Andy. Okay. It's hot. This is a, this is a still warm panini. The, I'm googling it here. Let's see. Twitter pay. I know there was talk about using Doge to uh, pay for every tweet in micro payments, but I'm guessing that's not what we're talking about. There's Just seven paying for verification. Who can do that. Yeah. It's, so I, I bought Doge at the absolute peak, so I can. I'm going to hold it. Can for you every, access it, or is it? You've already lost all your code words, and you can't even get your Doge. Yeah, it's probably on a hard drive in some land. Yeah, Andy actually has over a hundred million dollars worth of Doge coins <laughs> buried in a on a on a hard drive that's buried in a in a garbage tip. Yeah. It's, it was he really fucked up. Yeah, so uh, you know, so Elon Musk bought Twitter. It, that all went through this week, and he bought it at like way too high of a valuation. So right. he he has to figure out pretty quickly how to like squeeze as much money out of it as possible. Yeah, my, my basically, like he's firing everyone. He, he's you know. Yeah, as far as I, my understanding is, basically, he had to buy Twitter because otherwise he was going to face serious sanctions from the. Uh, what's the, which one's the bank? Is it uh, SEC? SEC. It is the SEC. That's right. No, Securities and Exchange Commission. He had to buy Twitter because he bought Twitter. He well, waived all. He, he didn't do any due diligence because he was in such a hurry. Well, he said he sent out this. He'd already been in trouble twice now for sending out tweets that affect the market, and he he tweeted like, "I'm going to buy Twitter for like I think it was like uh, was it five point." Uh, 420 billion. It was like 420, 5.420 billion. Do you get it? (laughs) 
but he owns like he owns a bunch of Twitter stock already, and that caused the Twitter stock to shoot up. So then he get that's basically it's market manipulation. Yeah, I still if you're if you're lying about it. So it's like he either ha- he he basically wrote himself into a corner where for the sake of a couple of dumb tweets he had to buy Twitter or face prison. <laughs> so it's hmm. it's yeah. It's like when he said he was going to take Tesla private at also at four twenty which was above the current stock price. Like, well, you can't do that because now everyone's thinking that's what the stock price is going to... Yeah, it's blatant manipulation. But anyway, so this $20 thing, this can't be real. He's asking people who are verified to pay 20 a month to stay verified? I... Or to become verified, which is why it loses all of its... Well, except the point of verification was not initially celebrity status. It was no. supposedly to make to prove that you are a person, which like I think that a version of that could be a positive or, change or for it, Twitter. To prove that you are the correct version, you know, so yeah. there's not 30... You're not a bot and you are this person. The right, guy, but there's, there's not 30 Kim Kardashians or whatever. Right. Like, you know what I mean? So what a world, from... though. Let's go back to that. <laughs> yeah, yes. All right, you know, now we're talking. I was trying to get into that. I wanted to at some point bring up my Kardashian fantasy. Into the Kardashian-verse? Um, yeah, yeah. The, um... Uh, yeah, anyway, no one's going to do it. It's, it's just this, I feel like it's kind of over. It's going to be, it's going to be Tumblr or whatever in a, it's got to be kind of over. Well, it's got to be. I hope I'm wrong. Thing. Well, I just don't see how any, none of these things, none of these tools or platforms are useful unless they are the dominant one. Like no one in a world where there are 10 equally sized things like Twitter, all right. of them are useless. Why would you want to be on any of those if only a tenth of people are on each of those? Also, just on a pricing level, I don't think the richest person in the world should be coming up with prices. Like $20 a month <laughs> is actually a lot of money, but he has no idea. Yeah. He's like, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's a, what is a banana cost energy? Yeah. Right, or like when H.W. Bush was oh, surprised by the scanners back in 1990 or whatever, because oh, he'd never, never been to a. Yeah. Oh, there was a more store. recent one of those where the, uh, now Prime Minister of Britain, but when he was Chancellor of the Exchequer, basically like UK Finance Minister, was well, baffled there... by contactless payments in a in a petrol station. <laughs> mm. uh, There's a video of him just kind of so. What do I? How do I? It's just like, oh, you are a you, you're a billionaire, so you have no idea how any of this works. You just your car just becomes full of fuel whenever you need it to be. Wait, I knew the Prime Minister was very rich, but is he literally a billionaire? He's he's I think he's like a half billionaire. His okay. his he married into it his wife is um one of the, the 30 kardashians his, yeah exactly that wow. his wife is the daughter of one of the richest men in india oh and and uh, heir to that wealth and he personally yeah they personally have it's in the hundreds of millions oh nope hold on i'm seeing this just now this is he's actually no longer the prime he's out he's out oh. <laughs> yep so sorry now there's a new that's just happened so he made it uh 3 days so yeah okay Oh, that's a, by, yeah. by the way, speaking of um, billionaires who are out of touch, the reason that, uh, it, well, among other reasons, but um, part of the reason that we wanted to have Joel on is because of his new podcast, which is my favorite thing called Story of the Week. And in the premiere episode, he, well, first of all, we should talk about the format of this show, which um, will be very novel to listeners of this in that you don't necessarily write stories uh, mm-hmm. as much as you find a story you really like and then talk about that on your podcast with the author of said story. Yeah, so a story in this case... could come up with that. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's basically the daily for long-form magazine articles. So we find those stories in, like, The New Yorker, or The Atlantic, or The Verge, or 
uh, that are really long that people used to, when I first moved to New York, you'd go to a party and someone would walk up to you and say, did you read the story in the New Yorker about this? And then you would say yes, even though you hadn't. And then the person would proceed to tell you all about it anyway, even though you claim to have read it. Well, now, instead of the boring guy at the party, we have the person who actually wrote the article come and tell you what the article is so that you don't have to read it. It's great. Yeah, it saves time for those of us who hate reading. Um, yeah, which is everyone now. Yes, no one reads. Right. I had to get out of the business of writing. Yeah. Um, but that first episode, we talked about this phenomenon at length on our podcast. My oh. personal thesis being that everyone who acts like billionaires are actually trying to escape the planet are either being idiotic or disingenuous because billionaires are smart enough to know Mars is like super inhospitable, interesting to visit and explore, but you know, at best it's never as good as the worst version of earth. But that was based on the supposition that if you got to be a billionaire, you're kind of smart. And then your first story (laughs) talks to billionaire doomsday preppers and it blew my mind. (laughs) Yeah. The level of out of touchness of these people in their planning for the end of the world. Yeah. So the first episode is uh, this article on The Guardian by Douglas Rushkoff in which he gets invited to one of those conferences at some really nice hotel out west uh, and he's given more money than he's ever been given to speak, which is like $40,000. And he, uh, Douglas is a professor and he's a futurist and I'm sure he's been on this podcast. And he... He has um, not, but we should fix that. He should. He's amazing, as you'll hear in the... Well, he's a futurist. He'll know if he's going to be on. <laughs> <laughs> I said that as if I knew what that meant, futurist. I have no idea. I think he calls himself that. I guess we're all, we're mostly presentists, but he's a futurist. And so he gets there and he's preparing for, he's prepared the speech and he goes to like the green room and uh, there's five guys there who he thinks maybe are going to mic him up. But instead, that is the gig. Like all he's going to do is talk with these five very rich, some of them being billionaires, hedge fund type guys. Uh, And all they want to talk to him about is details on where they should build their bunker and which navy seals they should you know hire to protect them <laughs> and they've and they're all like you said haven't really thought this through they much like Elon Musk they think you can live in Mars or the biosphere and and, and not only live but like live luxuriously in these bunkers um you know and somehow their hot tubs won't need new filters Right. right. And it's it's significantly easier to build this self-sustaining entirely perpetual bunker than it is to work to improve the earth that we're currently on so that you don't need that yeah that's douglas's point um certainly more fun to think about they read a lot of sci-fi novels these guys right they don't think about like one of the first questions he asked when they said we have these navy seals as private security like well what's going to incentivize them to protect you once your money is worthless yeah and then they all go huh (laughs) (laughs) no i yeah i read that article um it was fascinating what if you have all the gold (laughs) (laughs) right yeah yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, m- money once once there's only you know a few hundred people left in the world, money is a meaningless concept. And then even- when they answer that, they say, "Well, we'll just make sure beforehand to like treat them well, so they'll want to." And then as as you get down these roads and go further and further back, you're like, "Oh wait, you're just talking about how to run a civilization well." Yes. Like bring the floor <laughs> yeah. up, make sure everyone's taken care of, so we don't live in a world of deprivation and chaos and violence. <laughs> um, Rishi Sunak, by the way, is worth uh, around 730 million pounds, which is about 850 million dollars. If I had that okay, much money, my whole goal in life would be to get a billion because it just would suck <laughs> to be so close and not tell anyone you're a billionaire. To be like an 80% billionaire, yeah. Ugh, 
I'd rather be poor. The three commas, like Silicon Valley, yeah. Oh, I love that. That poster of the three commas in the show, Silicon Valley. (laughs) I went to, there was a party for the end of the show, a rap party, and uh, they had Trace Comas tequila. They they have actually made it. You can buy it. I would totally buy it, Trace Comas. It's pretty good. Yeah. I don't know if it's three commas good, but it's pretty good. (laughs) But um, yeah, before doing the podcast, I was a longtime fan of your writing. I first uh, became aware of you, Our, Our House in the waning days of the monoculture, I feel like American houses were time houses or Newsweek houses. Yes. And we were time, which I grew up on. And then at some point in the late 90s, suddenly time got funny, or at least one page of time was very funny, which was your column. And that was like, oh, I didn't know time was allowed to be actually funny. Well, you know, Calvin Trillin wrote a column before me, or and, and at the same time as maybe switched off every week. So he was funny. But um, yeah, there hadn't been a young person hired at Time Magazine really before I got there uh, in 1997 for a couple decades. So that's maybe also what you were noticing. Yeah, could have been someone closer to the Gen Z-er. Yeah. Exactly. Now I'm old. Now I can't write for them. I'm too... I went from too young to write for them to too old to write for them. Time takes its toll. (laughs) Nice. Thank you. Waits for no man, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But then you had a 20-year stint with them. I didn't realize it was going that long. That's, That's amazing. Yeah, I wrote that column for a very long time. I worked there too, so I would write cover stories and do other stuff. It was, uh, it was really fun. Um, and now uh, that no one reads, I'm trying to find something new to do, like a podcast. Yeah, and again, everyone should check out Story of the Week. It's, it's like I said, my new favorite thing. Only Aww. three episodes in, but so far you're batting a thousand. So, wow. All right, you, we'll stop. <laughs> do you guys, uh, do you guys ever pre-order a book and forget you pre-ordered it? You know what I mean? So it's like they'll they'll deliver it on like publishing, you know, on the day it's out. Are these okay. books about so, marijuana? No. Okay. No, these are it's you order it way in advance. You don't forget that that much. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, so it's like I just got the new Cormac McCarthy. And oh no. Oh I, I'm, no. I'm no, scared. exactly. No, there's no bad story about it's just like why now? Like dude, no one <laughs> needs a new Cormac McCarthy right now. No, no one asked for this. And I I completely forgot that I'd pre-ordered it, and it's uh, it, I mean, it's not it's I think it's gonna be one of the I'm gonna intentionally not read it. It's like I can't read this right now. Everything's is too it, nuts. The road is the one piece of art I regret consuming in my entire life. Really? Oh God, really? It's so good, but it's so deeply upsetting. I was in a, I yeah. was in a bad place for a little while after reading that book. Yeah, yeah, no, the road messed people up, and I then don't like that. Yeah. um. After that, the the film came out, which I stupidly and I'd read the book. I already read the book, and then I took a date to the movie. I was like, "This would be great. We'll go on a date." <laughs> because I was being so, I I was like, "I've read the book." Like as like for, so for me, it was like the, almost like this arrogance thing where like then afterwards I can discuss how the book was better or you know just some <laughs> douche move. Uh, and then it was just traumatized, you know, both of us, and it was like the worst date ever. It was horrible. Did you try and do like the yawn and then hug halfway through? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I did that move. Absolutely, <laughs> halfway through. Yeah, right, right when they were, um, right when they were figuring out which parts to amputate of themselves to eat, I, uh, I did the yawn. I did the yawn move. I'd say I'd personally use my forearm and then um, pulled her a little closer. Uh, uh, so, at, at what point, like when the catamites show up, is that when you realize you're not going to get laid that night, or what point did it hit you? Oh no, I still got laid. I, oh good. Uh, okay. I, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> um. No, I don't know. I think it was. Uh, I think it was like when Robert Duvall. That, that was like this is 
No, I looked over it at one point. I looked over at her and she was she was like bawling. And I was like, I probably made a bad call here. <laughs> and you that's B A W L. Uh, no, she was she was banging some guy down the road. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was she left and she was uh yeah she was fucking a gentleman uh, at the end of the aisle. Well, we are talking about horror and uh, and horrendous things, and it is Halloween. Oh yeah, it's yeah, spooky, spooky <laughs> episode. Yes, but also Halloween. Uh, Matt Holness is doing has just put out a new Garth Marenghi book, and he's doing a live tour. I just thought you might want to know. Ooh, Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, one of the best shows of all time. Yeah. So just just letting people know that has just been announced. That's amazing. That has, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to read the new Cormac. That's my point. It's just it's going to be a doorstop until at least like there's less nuclear brinksmanship or something. I can't I can't do it right now. Yeah, it's uh, we're living in a dystopia. Uh, actually, which I I haven't read this book yet, but your your 2019 book sort of um, presages some of the world that we're in, or maybe the world was already this bad then and I'm just um, but the book In Defense of Elitism Why I'm Better Than You and You Are Better Than Someone Who Didn't Buy This Book uh, which extols the virtues of expertise and uh, being better than other people no but uh, but for real like we have talked at length on the podcast about anti-intellectualism and the death of expertise and you decided to do experiential journalism piece about this and actually go to some of these people uh, what, what did you learn out I there learned. amongst the unwashed masses Oh, I learned so much. Yeah, I'd been spurred to write about this. I wrote a couple columns for Time, in fact. Basically, it struck me, it struck other people sooner, but it really struck me when Sarah Palin was running as the vice presidential candidate. And she was so overt about not wanting information and trusting her gut. And, you know, this argument that reading the newspaper would would get in the way of making good decisions because you know this theory that you know lawyer types and journalist types are going to try and twist your mind and you know what's what's right in your gut and I, I found that so upsetting and I remember being upset when uh, then Vice President Joe Biden was on the Today Show and uh, whoever was the I think it was Kagan was the nominee to the Supreme Court at the time and uh, they were listing all of uh, where she went to school and they. Matt Lauer was like, you know, if she gets on the court, that's a horrible Matt Lauer impersonation. If she gets on the court, uh, there'll be, you know, five justices went to Harvard and three went to Yale and one from Columbia. That seems uh, seems like that's not representative of America. And and Biden immediately was like, well, you know, I went to Syracuse. I understand what you're saying. I was like, I think if there's one job in America you want people to be highly educated for, it's Supreme Court justice. Right. Uh, Right. Anyway, so then I went. And I found I freaked out after Trump got elected for this very reason, because that was his basic argument. And I went to the county in America that had the highest percentage of Trump voters, which was in the panhandle of Texas. Uh, pretty. It's a brave trip. It's a brave it, trip. You know I, what? That's what people said to me at the time. In fact, people were kind of in my life were kind of scared for me. And my mom and my accountant and uh, uh, all the people in my life told me not to tell them I was Jewish when I got there. Oh, I would just I, – when I say that, I just think um, uh, an emotionally brave oh. trip. Uh, you know what I mean? Like I uh, I think that would be a brave trip for certain people for sure. Like, but like I, I live in the South. I'm surrounded by deep red uh, – I'm in Nashville but surrounded by deep, uh. red, deep redness within an hour, you know. 
any city, you drive an hour yes. in any direction, yeah. and it's in, it's just insane. Uh, it doesn't matter which city. Um, so it's, yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting out there. But they're also just like real people. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had an amazing time. I'm still in touch with a lot of those people or some of those people. And um, and then I spent some time, I went to like Scott Adams' house, the guy who created Dilbert, who became a bit of a populist. And I spent a little time with Tucker Carlson. And um, yeah, I just tried to meet as many different kinds of populists as I could and find out how much they hated college. <laughs> Did Scott, did Scott Adams try to pull his neurolinguistic programming on you and hypnotize you? Or or sleep with me? Um, <laughs> no, I had a great time. I liked that guy a lot. I had a good time with him. Um, I, just, I hear him defend Trump sometimes, and I'm like, I don't think you believe what you're saying. But I, I think he does believe that he's a genius. Yeah. And therefore, like, yeah, that he's seen some, like, bigger truth that does nothing to do with truth and when he starts to talk about that my skin just crawls because it's pretty vague when he does it's just kind of like he thinks he can just sweet talk you into uh, it feels like you're at some sales seminar where they're they're not even talking about the thing you're selling just about human psychology and yeah it it gets creepy i have a friend who kind of fell down the scott adams rabbit hole and now believes in chemtrails i don't know if he does or if he's a gateway to chemtrails but like she's just during covid some of us got lost in different corners of the internet, and hers was the Scott Adams averse. I thought you just and, meant she's quit drawing elbows and knees. <laughs> Do none of the characters. <laughs> she's, she's down a real Scott Adams rabbit hole. It's you, you should see her art these days. It's, uh, it's a real nightmare. Um, it, isn't that the root of a lot of anti-intellectualism? Is um, someone believing they're a genius? I would assume that's at least some of the some of the root of it. Uh, it's certainly like in Trump's case, it's like it's an out, yeah. right? It's a cop out. You get to explain away how dumb you are because you're right. If you, yeah, there's a belief. I that, don't know it, that there's a trick being played upon everyone. Some right, you know, Jew lawyer trick is, is the anti-Semitic version that they're using words and ideas to convince you of something that's not true, as sounding true. It's a very Nietzschean way of looking at the world. And th- and therefore, like what I know to be truth from my gut and the Bible, it shouldn't be corrupted by this information. Right. Yeah. So it's sort of a predecided truth, and you're gonna get the you're gonna get there however you need to get there. It's not a particularly open mind, although they get open about some specifics, right? Like they get you can hit them up with the chemtrail thing, and they get kind of intellectually curious about it. Hmm. Yeah, at least that one, you can point to something visible that is like, well, here's something. I mean, it's water vapor, but it looks like something. So I can see why you're wondering what it is, even though there's a simple answer to what it is. But well, one of our listeners, uh, I believe it was Justin Broad, I'll check on that in a second, sent us a story that uh, strikes another blow to the anti-intellectuals. We got bad news, everybody. Uh, It it, it turns out that uh, picking your nose might increase the risk of Alzheimer's and dementia. What? Yep, I've got a link uh, there. No, I think it's Paul Muxworthy sent it. Oh, Paul Muxworthy sent it. Thank you. I feel Paul. like I just revealed myself as a nose picker. Back. <laughs> everyone, everyone still does, though, don't they? Like everyone, it must. Everyone must. What do you do instead? Who bailed on that? I'm, I'm <laughs> leaping out of the closet. I'm, you don't have to worry about maybe revealing yourself. I'm, I of course I still pick my nose. 
Of I mean, course. What else? Yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't clear itself out ever. No. I guess eventually in the shower you could blow hard enough that something comes loose that was hardened, but like... Sure. I mean, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I think more uh, since I I think I did it less in L.A., maybe the humidity here or something. Mm -hmm. There's significantly more of a need to pick happening. Well, I, you know, it's like all the bluegrass guys in Nashville. You just you need to pick, man. Sure. Picking and gritting. Yeah. <laughs> Picking and gritting, dude. It was that was originally about boogers. It was way before right, right. banjos were even invented. Um, so, yeah, it turns out uh, Griffith University researchers have demonstrated that bacteria can travel through the olfactory nerve in the nose and into the brain in mice where it creates markers that are a telltale sign of Alzheimer's disease. The study published in the journal Scientific Reports showed that chlamydia pneumoniae use the nerve extending between the nasal cavity and the brain as an invasion path to invade the central nervous system. The cells in the brain then responded by depositing amyloid beta protein, which is a hallmark of Alzheimer's disease. Uh, Professor James St. John, head of the Clem Jones Center for Neurobiology and Stem Cell Research, is a co-author of the World First Research. Uh, They said that they're the first to show that chlamydia pneumonia can go directly up the nose and into the brain, where it can set off pathologies that look like Alzheimer's disease. We saw this happen in a mouse model, and the evidence is potentially scary for humans as well. Uh, the olfactory nerve in the nose is directly exposed to air and offers a short pathway to the brain, one which bypasses the blood-brain barrier. It's a route that viruses and bacteria have sniffed out as an easy one into the brain. The, the most interesting part of that study, which I think uh, is bigger than what they think it is, is that they have found that mice can pick their nose. That's also very impressive. <laughs> Yeah, I'd never have guessed. Well, they got those little this. fingers, though. You can see, you know, you see those, you know, the way they're sort of opening, getting into things. Well, with their claws, a nightmare when they when they nightmare. miss. I don't know if you guys have heard. They don't always hit their nose. If you've heard three blind mice, you'll want, oh, you know, you'll know. Yep. Okay, all right, everybody. That is the story behind that. Everyone, calm down. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we did forget to ask. By the way, we we forgot to ask our guest what his background in science is. Oh yes, I'm so sorry. Which we, Matt, which we Matt's usually on that. And I, I'm norm- just, I am normally on top of that, but we rolled straight into a story, and that was yep. it, it. Was a good story. We also got a bit of background anyway in your sort of your intellectual background. But do you have a science background? Do you have teachers or classes you liked or hated, or did you blow stuff up in the woods with your friends? Well, I mean, I don't know if my uh, PhD in chemistry counts. I don't know if that's the kind of thing you're looking for. No, I don't think I have any. <laughs> background in science now i'm getting yeah, embarrassed we, we don't well, yeah we don't count it's uh, chemistry as a science anyway it's what, the soft sciences. <laughs> <laughs> what would count what, what would i have i got nothing uh but yeah i mean like were, were there teachers you like teachers you hated classes you enjoyed or it's classes you had to take at school god in college did i even take a, i must have had to take a science course right well i took physics for poets <laughs> which okay was, did you ever read that book? That's a great book. Um, I think I know of it from the Patton Oswalt bit. Yeah, uh, I liked. I did. I did well in science for a while in high school. I almost went. This is. I, I'm just reaching for straws here. But I. <laughs> I liked chemistry, and I was. I gotten. Uh, I gotten an internship at the Lawrence Livermore Laboratory. Ooh. But, okay. But I, yeah. There is no. I, there's no go. right or wrong answer to this, by the way. I didn't this. go. I wound up going to like governor's school for like government instead for the summer. Um, no, I got nothing. I got nothing. Government for poets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm suspicious about this Matt, this story, though. I don't know. In, like in general, it it seems like like Jesse says, who ha- doesn't and hasn't picked their nose? So how do you even get a population to test this on? Well, why think, is chlamydia involved? 
that's just the bacteria that can get up there. I guess it's in that family, but they're not saying, I mean, it's possible there's something we all do that we all shouldn't do. Like the just Professor St. John literally said, picking your nose and plucking the hairs from your nose are not a good idea. How about how about using the trimmer? Well, that's a former sponsor of ours. Uh, we, <laughs> I guess we could still plug them even if they aren't currently advertising. Yeah, you should use that weed whacker from Manscaped. Uh, I'm assuming if it doesn't actually <laughs> pluck the hairs out, then you're not putting yourself okay. at risk for any additional chlamydia exposure. Just you're the typical sp- amount you have in your life. There's a... Um, so... Uh, there's a comedy club owner, uh, owns some clubs in Utah and is a Mormon guy. It sounds like the start of a bad joke, but it's not, it's true. Um, he's a, a you know, devout Mormon. So there's no, no caffeine or anything like that. So, um, and sometimes when you work his club, you'll stay with him and, uh, or, or had to before when the condo's out or whatever. And the way he wakes himself up every morning is he has some tweezers next to his bed and he just yanks all of his nose hairs and you can like hear him like yelping from his bedroom and then he's like up and then he's it's crazy <laughs> i think our friend emery emery does the same thing on long road trips with he brings needle nose pliers to pluck out oh, nose yeah, hairs to wake him up once, didn't he yeah while he's driving which i'm sure does the trick but then also the chlamydia you know you yeah up, also you, you get up, the chlamydia you get yeah. yeah you get all you get loads of chlamydia i didn't follow this story they do that to wake themselves up or what, what's going on yeah so every, every it, does it yeah. on a low, long road trip if his head's starting to nod to to prevent falling asleep at the wheel but it doesn't seem safe while you're driving to get these pliers inside your nose like the yeah, I'm not. I don't think it's an ideal situation. I think I think probably the ge- the best advice is to not do that. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean, I I was just uh, no. This is just how this guy I know wakes himself up every day because he doesn't drink coffee or caffeine or anything. And uh, instead of just sitting around waiting on himself to wake up, I've had plenty of days where I don't drink coffee in the morning. Uh, you still do eventually become completely conscious. But I suppose he wants it quicker, and the way he does it is he uh, yanks yanks his nose hairs out. I'm fascinated by the world of stand-up comedy. So, in other words, you're you're booked at some comedy club in Utah. Yes. And and you're excited. You're gonna go, and then you're the guy's like, "Oh, just stay at my house." And you're like, "Oh, that sound that sounds right." And then yeah, you're you, like, "That's yeah." You're in a lot of scenarios where it would set off every alarm bell in a horror yes. film. Like people, like people, if, if it was just being filmed and shown to an audience, people would be screaming, no, don't go in there, like in the audience. Um, but you just do it because it's like part of being a comedian. Um, and, and also the, the money sometimes, particularly in America, I think, because I started in the UK and the distances aren't quite as ludicrous, but some of the distances you would have had to have driven when you started out in comedy. Yeah, it's I don't insane. know how anybody. How does anybody do triple runs with with six dollar gas? It's like you would burn so much more getting to the place than the hundred bucks you make as a feature. What's a yeah. triple run? Oh, this is a little inside. Sorry, there was a booker who's <laughs> famous among Northwest comedy circles, or kind of Northwest and into Montana and Idaho, uh, who just books these one nighters, sometimes literally five hundred miles from the one the night before. In, but in he, he books a run of the. He puts together a run of them. So he's yeah, like, "You're going to do these four gigs in a row over the course of a Thursday th- to Sunday." But like Andy said, they norm- they will frequently involve having to get up at the crack of dawn and drive halfway across the country in between shows. Yeah, it's, it's so a one nighter is is like what happens is a booker, uh, which is just someone that wants to make money, uh, will call around different like karaoke bars and hotel lobbies and whatever and say are you interested in having comedy there 
um, I can send you a comedian for a flat rate, you know, every week or whatever. Uh, so Thursday night will be their comedy night, you know, and that's a one nighter and they'll get a different comedian every time and they just pay a guy 200 bucks and that guy pays you a hundred bucks and keeps the rest and makes you drive. Uh, it's horrible. Starting comedy, like starting road comedy is, um, yeah, it's a nightmare, but it's also like some of the coolest experiences ever. It is kind of fun, but I mean, it, fun in that way is like, this is going to make a good story later. But for now, like this Ottoman has so many cigarette burns on it in this motel in Pocatello, you know, like. Right. Well, I mean, we can call it, you can call them Turkish now, but, uh, <laughs> but, but yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I learned on my podcast, uh, uh, story of the week that that is called level two fun, uh, oh. in, in research that the level one fun is the fun you're actually what we would call fun. And level two fun is something you are not enjoying in the present, but but know you will enjoy later. Hmm. Interesting. I Interesting. Part of that, that might, is that science. I don't that know. seems like no. I'm trying to think of whether I have a preference of one or the other because like Burning Man might be a little bit of type two, or at least it's painful, but um, the pain might be part of the fun, or else it's fun later. I'm not sure. And reading the road was level zero fun. Level zero. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, we actually, I forgot there was another story sent in. I, I don't remember which listener sent this either, but I just Googled it <laughs> well, based on... But you know we have to read the comments first in the article. Are you looking at the Guardian one I just posted or which? Uh, no, the the nose Alzheimer's dementia one. Oh, oh, okay. I didn't even realize we had some good comments there. Uh, Ralph writes on October 29th, good point, authors of the article. Now help me find a less dangerous way to be able to breathe through my nose. <laughs> <laughs> Well said, Ralph. Um, all right. What's the. <laughs> um, asked, if nose picking can cause bacteria to enter the brain, wouldn't constant or even occasional use of cocaine be much worse? I don't think anybody was saying it wasn't. <laughs> um, was anybody saying don't pick your nose and start doing lots of coke? You know how scientists. So all these scientists are telling us just to do coke every day instead of breathing normally. They're, yeah, they're, they a, might be wrong. I have a science question that came up last night. Is there a thing called Coke boogers, which I think this person might be getting at if it's a thing. My wife insists there's something uh, about people who do a bit of cocaine getting large boogers. In their oh, she's cheating on you, bro. She's cheating on you. That's what's... That's what's <laughs> no, I think, I think that's... Uh... <laughs> I think that's why people try to chop. Oh, those it are finally. oh, those are coke boogers. You found that in the bathroom. That's a coke booger. Um, no, I think that's how people like lose their septums and things. Like if if you have oh, yeah. a big chunk of it that sits there and just eats away. I don't know if I'm guessing maybe pure cocaine wouldn't be as harmful, but maybe just whatever things have been added to it to cut it are going to damage your nasal tissue if if left there in big chunks. Which I think is why everybody tries to do the fine chopping with the credit card uh, if that if that makes sense uh, pretty detailed answer there I mean, andy that's yeah. what i've heard from no i mean there was a guy i mean i, I won't name him but like a, a guy i was talking to at burning man this year who has has no septum and uh <laughs> telling me the story behind it so yeah stay away from that kids like unless you're in fleetwood max stay away from that man stay away from that man yes <laughs> but yeah we have one more nose picking story actually uh, if you guys see the link I just posted there, the Guardian oh, story. Yeah. Uh, researchers reveal the secret of I.I.'s long middle finger, this Madagascan primate. Can you guess what it does with its long finger? I, I bet it's uh, pick it's nose. 
It might be nose-related. So with its big eyes, bushy tail, and sensitive ears, the eye eye may appear a cute if quirky creature, but now researchers have discovered it has a less endearing trait. It uses its long middle finger to pick its nose and eat the mucus. Good lad. Yep. Mm. Yep. So these are primates, uh, but they are nocturnal, endangered, and only found in Madagascar. Uh, they They say that like telling us not to worry. (laughs) <laughs> They're not like, don't worry. I know this is. Listen, <laughs> after you read this, you're not. You're probably going to be scared to go outside. <laughs> They're not coming for you. They're just coming for their boogers. Uh, they're yep. an object of superstition. They have a number of unusual features, including rodent-like teeth and a skinny, elongated finger with a ball and socket joint. Uh, and while it's while it's known the animal uses its phenomenal finger for tapping on hollow wood to locate grubs and fish them out. Researchers have revealed they have video footage of it being used for another, it's like a traffic traffic camera or something, uh, another rather mundane purpose, which is nose picking. And they, they insert the entire length of that extra skinny, extra long skinny and highly mobile middle finger into the nasal passage and then lick the nasal mucus collected, wrote the authors of this in um, the Journal of Zoology. Mm. Uh, Dr. Anne Claire Faber, an assistant professor of University of Bern and a scientific associate at London's <laughs> Natural History Museum who co-authored research, said she recorded the behavior on video in 2015 while observing captive eye eyes at the Duke Lemur Center. She said she was surprised, adding the whole middle finger disappeared up the creature's nose. It's nearly eight centimeters. It's really long, and I was wondering where this finger is going. <laughs> oh, my God. To dig deeper, the researchers created a 3D model using CT scans of the head and hand of the eye eye to understand where the middle finger was going. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's just a little overkill. The findings suggested the digit extended deep into the head. I don't know if you have to go to CT scan to, to figure out where someone's finger goes when it goes up to their nose. Well, it's, it says here, it's not clear why eyes or other species have a penchant for nose picking, with the researchers noting it could just be an act of self-cleaning. But, they added, the fact several species ate the mucus suggested there may be other explanations. Among them, the team noted, were studies that suggested the texture, crunchiness, and saltiness of the matter could be appealing. That snot eating may prevent bacteria from sticking to teeth, and the trait could boost immune responses. However, there could be a downside, they said. Other research has suggested nose picking spreads nasal bacteria. Right. Hmm. Okay, so, interesting. Interesting. But then she does close by saying nose picking is understudied. So let's get on that, science. Hmm. Interesting. I yeah. I mean, I don't know. Um, I mean, you, you guys ever sneak one in the mouth as a child? I'm no not saying comments. currently. I'm not saying as. I'm not saying you still. You know what I mean? Um, I think that's a stigma that will never be overcome. I don't. I can't imagine a world where that's like. I can't. I'm kind of surprised that more celebrities with all the various things that people want to tear people down with. That we haven't found like traffic cam footage of of a Britney Spears or somebody eating their own booger. Hmm. Well, it, and you'd think some of them would be, because now, like, a lot of celebrities are just coming out with, like, I don't shower, ever. Right. You know? Like, every is that, week. And, is that and, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis that said yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, they've, they've, they've quit bathing. They've quit bathing. Oh, that was a thing, like, ten years ago, and they, they would sell these kind of powders and deodorants because you're supposed to keep the, the good bacteria on your body. Is that is that the thinking there? I I've don't know. I've heard that, know. that you're, when you yeah. use soap too much, you're robbing your body of the oil that it produces to do its own. And, and that the argument is that if it, if you go long enough, your body has its own equivalent of your gut biosphere. That's not the right phrase. But you know, I, I didn't yeah, get yeah, very yeah. far in science. And that you stop smelling. But it like all corrects itself. And if you become dependent on deodorant, you produce more odor. I, 
again, mm. didn't try it, but I remember this was a thing if you ran in very liberal circles that would come up. Right. I, I think s- I think you stop smelling because you've gotten used to your smell. You're like, oh, I've, yeah. I've, I've quit smelling. But it's eureka. You know what I mean? You go. <laughs> I sat next to Mila Kunis once, uh, and she did not smell. Okay. Hmm. Did she show so, feet? Wait, what? <laughs> no, I just think it's funny that you were like sniff, you, noticing you went there how she pretty quick. No, you really no, interested you were, in Mila Kunis's feet. My God. No, but you were just noticing. You're like, and I, I sat and I sniffed, I sniffed and sniffed. I and, never said uh, I sniffed and sniffed. I just said she didn't smell, and then you said, "What are her feet like?" No. no. Wait, have we just learned that Joel Stein, elitist, is actually a mouth breather? He wasn't sniffing the whole time. <laughs> no, I just think it's it's um I I. Uh, I don't know why. I, th- I thought it was funny. I know uh, why. <laughs> what do you, mean you don't know why? We all know why. No, no, not my thing. I thought it, I thought it was funny to imagine uh, just Who, out whose of, feet are your thing. Uh, no, no, I'm not a fo- not a foot guy. Not I'm, um, not opposed to feet people. I'm not are a you, foot guy. Are you an editor of WikiFeet? Are you a mod over there? <laughs> there is WikiFeet. There is Wiki. Oh yeah. Oh, there's WikiFeet. Yeah. Um, uh, no, it's just funny out of context. Does, does WikiFeet have those like disambiguation I... pages? <laughs> no. <laughs> Dead links. Um, Ar- arguments in the talk section. Yeah, they have. Uh, if you donate uh, monthly, you're an arch supporter. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. That killed in Utah. <laughs> destroys, destroys in Utah. But yeah, the no, the no showering thing, I, I think that also could have been based on, like, there, there are probably other things like that that made sense in our evolutionary past, but now things like dense urban population, which we've spent so little time as a species doing, like, that negates, yes, maybe when we saw one or two people during the course of our day or we're living outside with our tribe, mm. it made sense to have this level of smell. I'm going to disagree with that. Again, not a man of science. Okay, but, I'm just guessing but, anyway. So, But when you're around animals in the wild, they don't smell good. Right? I mean, well, actually, I'm, that's still what I'm saying. I'm say, but maybe you would have been able to deal with it when you're only smelling like two other people in the course mm. of your day and you wouldn't be, there's no equivalent of being packed on the subway. No, humans we're, living. Uh, were in tribes pretty early. I mean, I don't know if they were 50 or 100 or whatever they were. They weren't that huge, but people were tribal early on, right? But like outdoors, tribal. That's I don't know. Still, definitely less population density than today. Even though, yeah, I think I that, mean, it's the, still the number was like one fifty or something. The Dunbar number. Yeah, but I would but, also think that the the trench that everyone shits in would yeah. outweigh <laughs> any of that. Like it, re- everything was smelled horrible until like horrible. until like a hundred years ago. Yeah, it's just a horribly smelling world. Whenever I watch a movie and there's a time machine and I see them go backwards instead of forwards, I'm like, you people don't realize the smell you're about to encounter. (laughs) And I would love to see a movie where they pop out of the time machine and that's their first reaction. Like, what is that? Like, back in, back in, everybody in, everybody in. Did you shit yourself? Oh, the whole country (laughs) shat itself? The whole country, this this town has just collectively shat itself. (laughs) That's a great, yeah, like something that looks like it's going to be a highbrow like this work of cinematic art and then every time the door opens and everyone vomits and then just gets back in. <laughs> immediately vomits nope, yeah nope, i'm out i'm out that's that's why like i mean we discussed on this podcast before like an an accurate renaissance fair no one would ever go ever oh, ever god you know no. i don't i've been to renaissance fairs because i wrote for this show called american princess uh which was about a, a jewish american princess who worked at a renaissance fair did she show her feet 
<laughs> sounds like a yes. That sounds like a yes. yes. I'm just, sounds like a yes to me. Joel, Joel's into it. Uh, I'm just arguing you don't want to go to even a, a real Renaissance. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, of course, of course. But it's um, it's it's like it's also what 400, 500 years inaccurate. It's just a medieval, yeah, fair thing. It's completely inaccurate. Um, my favorite aspect of a Renaissance fair is the combining fact with fiction where like people are just dressed like fairies and stuff. It's, it's gotten worse. I, I, I didn't know we were going to go down this path, but I have prepared some statements. Excellent. Um, there, <laughs> now, it, now when you go to a Renaissance fair, and this is also applies to model United Nations, which we'll get, we can get to if you want to, but there's not just the Renaissance aspect, which there usually is a Shakespeare walking around and a queen, sure. but there's, also, like you said, this this uh, medieval part where there's knights because people just love a thing with knights. But there's also people walking around as vampires. There's people walking yeah. around as like Doctor Who. Like you've just it's it's the Halloween Halloweenization or the Comic Conization of everything. So it's just like gives people a chance to dress up and has nothing to do with the Renaissance. Yeah. This is my rant. I I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I haven't been to it yet, so I can't comment on whether it is. Fun and if the fun outweighs this, and if it's type two fun, possibly, is it type two fun? Having been there, Joel, it's closer to the road. Okay, it's what the road. Yeah, uh, I I went to I got I I went to one a few years ago. I was taken by my then girlfriend, now wife, and uh, and I real like firstly, yeah, I don't I don't think. I've seen you, it now. You gotta, you gotta propose somewhere, Matt. You gotta propose. Uh, I know. Yeah. We, well, she she worked in a rent fair when she was a teenager and offi- helped officiate or helped organize m- multiple weddings. More than one, a large number of people get married at the rent fair. Yes. But um, and she was also saying like pre like Comic Con and everything. This that was, and the explosion of all the cons. That was the place that people, if someone wanted to dress up and that was their thing, that's where you had to go. Like the rent fair was your option. Um. But I also found it's not a great place to naturally have an English accent. <laughs> oh yeah, think you're yeah, yeah. Because people, because I, I would if you just sort of ask someone for anything, they just assume you're doing a bit. Like I asked for directions of one of the guys who worked there, and he was like, "Ah, oh, verily, sire." Oh you should, no! Like, <laughs> like, no, this is just I'm just just because I grew up near Watford. This is. Oh man. It never even occurred to me that they're just going to try to one-up you for the rest of the conversation. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why? Yes, yonder is the... No, I just want to I just want to have a piss. Where, like, where can I do that, please? I know. I know. I find the same thing because of the, um, the crow that lives on my shoulder. <laughs> uh, it's pretty awful going to Rin Fair and asking around. And I'm like, no, this is just, you know, these are just my shoulder pauldrons. This is what I <laughs> Wait, so you, I know you're mostly science people, but you know a little history. Why do you think people during the Renaissance had crows on their shoulder? <laughs> hmm. For the chlamydia in their noses? I don't know. Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, I, I imagine, uh, I, I, well, I guess it wouldn't be a crow, but I imagine a falconry was far bigger. Oh, oh, oh. That's in the, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, I know crows are super smart as far as facial recognition and things. I don't know if they're at all trainable. Yeah. Crows are very, whereas now, like, I only are very do falconry. Smart. Yeah. yeah. What's that, Matt? Oh, well, I I only did falconry just to pad out my uh, my Tinder page, and <laughs> no, absolutely. now I'm married, so I don't even need it. But you know, it's just you need some extracurriculars. 
Have you no. ever, I've met Falconers. Have you ever guys have you guys met Falconers? They're very it's a fun, it, No, it's a fun one. it's a fun I've crew had to a hang deep with. Conversation. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, it's probably like my probably my favorite group of people that wear one glove. You know what I mean? <laughs> like if I Whoa, whoa, more than like Michael Jackson? Uh, had, of course, yeah. No, yeah, if I had, that's if, fair. That's if fair. I had to, um, if I had to pick, like in the one gloved community, you know, I'd be like Falconer, probably. Um, have you actually? Wait, so Joel has actually met Falconers. Have you yeah, actually, course, Jesse, or not? Yeah, I used to be a regular at Waffle House. I've met Falconers. <laughs> I've hung out. Of course, I've met Falconers. <laughs> Joel, where did you meet them? I've met a couple Falconers. That, I've met them up in Napa because for a while, it may be still true, they were hiring falconers to, to try and clear the birds off of their vineyards. Mm. Um, oh, okay. I met someone, another instance, They were I met two or three and they were all very similar. They had that IT guy kind of uh, lording their expertise over you and needing to tell you everything mm-hmm. in a kind of superior way. Right. Um, that was that was the basic falconer personality that I encountered. Like, yeah, oh, you I, don't know, you don't know how to tame this falcon. Well, ugh, no one does. Yeah, exactly. Let me step. No, in. I mean, I'd, I'll corroborate that. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think once you um, once you control the um, mm-hmm. the direction of a bird of prey, that power knows no bounds. And right. you'll you'll. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, no, that checks out. Yeah, that checks Are out they- with any falconers I've met. What's uh, I don't want to get too stereotypical, but yeah, can you make any sweeping generalizations about like relationship status or other aspects of their lives? Or I I didn't get that deep with them because I didn't get a word in. But okay. <laughs> um, I, I they definitely present single, right? But you know, some of those guys aren't actually single. They just you know go home and. Uh, I I, I bet it's like Comic Con though, where everyone just kind of like. You know the, the the lazy stereotype is oh they're all yeah. nerds and it turns out they're fucking like crazy. Like yeah. I reckon no, I reckon the falconry world gets pretty. I reckon they swap gloves. <laughs> <laughs> that, do you remember that show Real Sex on HBO? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh you were so excited because they had some topic that you were that sounded really interesting. But but the thing is the people who actually do kinky things are uh, you know they're they're Comic Con Renaissance Fair Renaissance Fair type people. It was always disappointing. Oh, they always totally. wanted them to be hotter. Yeah. Every every one of those orgy scenes, like, is this a Hemingway lookalike competition? Like, what? <laughs> All these cats have six toes. And I think um, Todd, Todd Berry had that bit about that show where it's like, you got to imagine somebody down the road is going to regret being on that show. Like someone who's like a substitute teacher. Like, <laughs> wait, did I, ooh, did I masturbate in public in front of HBO cameras? Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. I did that. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I used to watch... Uh, real sex and then what what was the other there were similar things taxi cab confessions right. that seemed uh, fake that that i didn't buy that one yeah i, th- I think i've oh man um now was I'm that like was that ben bailey's cash cab but after dark yeah mm-hmm. exactly it was exactly. cash cab after dark the, i think the story behind taxi cab confessions is kind of interesting i do know, the things i know for certain is that todd phillips future director of the hangover uh was one of the drivers on it and well, I also know he got in trouble for yes. his first documentary, which was sort of staged, that frat house documentary. I can't believe that guy had a career after that. He he was basically canceled. Yeah. He, he made a fake documentary. He did what the guy, the James Fry did with his book. Right, right. And, and then he emerged as one of the most popular and successful directors ever. It was very surprising. But of scripted, you know. Yes. Yeah, yeah no. Um, 
but yeah, that I, makes me think I was right about taxi cab confessions. It does does it does mm. kind of line up. Yeah. yeah. Um, I want to go. Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing YouTube. You could find some Todd Phillips confessions, but definitely watched too much of that in the '90s. And then also the there was the uh, Bunny Ranch thing. I don't know what network that. Oh, was Oh, I've met that guy. Oh, that guy's a that guy died, but that was a horrible human being. He was a bad. He was a bad dude. In real life, sauce. he was. Oh, just immediately upon meeting him, you were like creeped out. Yeah. What was the context for that meeting? Also, uh, Napa Valley Vineyard. He, they, they brought him in to scare away the the birds. <laughs> <laughs> in the British sense of the word. Yeah. No, yeah. I think I I wrote a bunch of porn stories. I think I was at a porn convention when I met him once, and uh, yeah, all all porn stuff. I have. Yeah, I went out to the AVNs one year because a friend Ugh. who I won't name yeah. was writing for the um the Oscars of of the AVNs. You know, the actual like the AVNs is the Oscars of the. Oh, I thought it was also the, like it's a convention and the. And the award show. Yeah. Right. Sorry. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's like you would expect. It's just not, it's pretty sad. It's not that fun or cool. Um, but maybe yeah. they didn't let you into the cool bits. That's, but you know, there probably were cooler parties, but. Um, Did you make any friends? Not really. I got to meet, I mean, it passed, um, um, oh my God, how am I forgetting your name? She was also in Boogie Nights, legend. Uh, Nina Hartley. I passed Nina Hartley in the hallway. Oh, oh, I know this isn't science, but, uh, when my now 13-year-old son was a baby, I was walking uh, at our local supermarket. I live in L.A. And uh, this woman just walked up to us and started telling, talking to my little baby son and telling him how, how cute he was. And we had this wonderful conversation. And she tells me she's a nurse. And it strikes me it is Nina Hartley. Amazing. It was. Um, I was like, I'm so glad I moved to LA. I have this lovely conversation with this woman who's telling me about raising children and what a cute son I have, and then it strikes me that it's Nina Hartley. It was great. Yeah, I mean, she in my five second interaction with her was delightful. Also, she seems like a person who's been in and out of that business, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> and and you know emerged pretty pretty unscathed. Like you know, I think she's had a and like she's actually a nurse, like you said, and and still works in things related to the business. Um, but I don't think it's really you know, like... life imitates art, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> many, many, it's, I've, many ex-porn stars become pizza guys and uh, <laughs> some, some become, it's weird. I know I've talked to you guys about this, but when I was growing up, my mom was a nurse. And my dad was a handyman <gasps> and I just like couldn't watch like 80% of the porn. <laughs> just completely ruined all of it for me. Um, it's horrible. Speaking of sexy costumes, are you guys, is anybody here dressing up tonight? And if so, what are you going as? So well, I'm not dressing up tonight. I, the, uh, the, the, the lady and I last night went somewhere. Uh, we did um, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, that film. I don't know it. Uh, it's an Iranian vampire film. Uh, it's really good. It's, um, it's like a really cool movie. And. Uh, so I think, yeah, watch that. That's a cool one. It's not that like, it's not like a big jump scare, you know, stupid thing. Um, so we just did uh, the two characters from that. But oh, no, God. it's not sexy. There's nothing sexy about it. Wait, you, I'm, you, you, I'm you're dressing to... up as characters that no one's ever heard of? I don't understand. <laughs> well, it's you guys snobbery, Joel. Yeah. No, no, you guys haven't heard of it because you guys aren't, aren't, tons of people have seen it. Well, I mean, people got the costume. Oh. What? Yeah. Wait. It's a popular it. it's film. Good. It is a good. It's a popular it film. film. Okay, all right. What's the title um, again? I gotta write it down. I'm a girl walks this. home alone at night. A girl walks home alone at night. Uh, I'm flying to Seattle today, so I'll be I'll be flying as Freddy Krueger. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> nice. Smart That's, to bring uh, extra blades to TSA. I go with yeah, scissor hands usually. Well, I think what I have to do is I go through without the knives, and then I get knives from the uh, from one of the restaurants on the other side of security, and then just restrap them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I'm yeah. I'll, I'll be touring, uh, but it, I think all the shows like sold out before they were like announced officially. But I'm going to be do- touring with Sarah Millican uh, for the next two weeks. So if That's anyone so is cool. going to those shows across the US, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be on those. Uh, cool. We are in uh, Seattle, Portland, uh, San Francisco, then LA, then Austin, New York, DC, Boston, Chicago. So you're any doing of those all cities, those dates? Yeah, the, that's the Damn. next two weeks. So any of those cities, if you're there, there might be some return. T- uh, but yeah, it turns out uh, just from her mailing list, she's basically sold out the show, the run. So, which is kind of nuts, but cool. it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, awesome. uh, Joel, you're the only uh, father amongst us. Now, I assume your your child is of an age now where they're. Uh, you mentioned your son earlier is like not uh, probably not. You're not going trick or treating together. Um, uh, no, you've you've sadly uh, you'll if you have kids you'll see. My son's thirteen, but. Right. 13 doesn't mean what 13 meant when I was a kid. 13 is now like 11. So oh, I thought it was the opposite direction. No, mm-hmm. no. If you look at the statistics, one, one blunt way of looking at it is what age do kids drink, have sex, decide to get a driver's license, go places without their parents? Those numbers are all much, much higher, which I think makes it hard to be a college right now, to be honest, because you're getting basically people who are developmentally high schoolers on their own. But no, he is tricky. She is definitely trick-or-treating. Even more insane, he's trick-or-treating with his parents tonight. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, so I, I misspoke. I was, and, and only because I was comparing it to myself. Yeah. When, but, but I mean, our generation is like, you're 13, you're already like... I was doing smack. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, you're, you're just like, where are you, you know, um, who are you going to watch get railed behind that shed, you know, yeah. while you're, or whatever, you know, so, so, okay. So I misspoke. Uh, what, what have been some of your favorite, uh, what, what were some of his costumes that were your favorite? Do you guys all dress up? No, we did. Like, he made us dress up once. I think my wife gave me like a mask. And I pretended to be a robber and I had like a money bag, but no, we don't dress up. He dresses up. Um, we stand aside and let him do things. What are my favorite costumes? I don't know. I'm not a Halloween guy. I think it's weird that adults dress up. I wrote about this. I, okay. I wrote a column that probably has aged, like all my columns, very, very poorly <laughs> about how I think Halloween should be for children and that we should let them do their trick-or-treating and have their parties and stuff. And then if adults want to dress up like sluts, I wanted a separate day called Slut Day in the summer which was a weekend day yeah and that's when you could act out all those fantasies but i I think this this confluence of sexy adults and kids wanting to have their day and get candy is really messed up no well so i uh, agree completely halloween sort of makes me weirdly sad because it's it's the biggest range between how you used to celebrate it as a child and an adult because the other holidays like um you know, Thanksgiving, for instance, or something like that. Yep. It, it's the same. Maybe you just add a little bit of alcohol as an adult, but you're having yep. the same experience. It's the same same thing. Uh, Halloween is insane. Like, like it just, comp- you, you know, go out with your friends and maybe get some candy and have a carve a little pumpkin. And then it's uh, just complete debauchery at a certain age. Yeah, um, I don't like it. I don't like, either. No, I'm with it, you. 
yeah, if Santa, as you grew up, Santa became like a Chippendale dancer. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always uh, felt bad that I'm not more of a Halloween guy as an adult because so many people that I enjoy their company and, you know, in the comedy world, so many people are huge into elaborate costumes and I've just felt so lazy that I never want to put in the effort. I was like, well, no. maybe I just don't like it that much and that's okay. Like, I do love horror movies. That doesn't mean you have to love elaborate makeup on yourself. Uh, yeah, I've generally found the whole thing not to be worth it. That's why any costume I do is, um, it, it's like only one aspect of it makes it the costume. It'll be like normal clothes, like a certain outfit, but it will be normal, regular human being clothes that you can reuse. Uh, and then like just some funky teeth or something. And that gives away who it's going to, who it is, you know? You know, my son this year is, I think, making a horrible mistake because he's doing a costume that there was a friend of mine who used to throw an annual Halloween party, this comedy writer. It was really fun. And you did have to get dressed up. So I would put minimal effort in. And one year I did it, an outfit that he has stupidly decided on his own to do, which is the Charlie Brown ghost with the <laughs> holes everywhere. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, uh, wait. Now the holes thing made me think I don't know what it is. Okay. So Charlie Brown in the, it's a great pumpkin, Charlie Brown, uh, tries to be a ghost. Most of the kids seem to be either ghosts or witches, at least in the cartoon. And he uh, fails to do two holes for the eyes. Instead, there's like 12 holes, right? So there's just eye holes everywhere. And in the cartoon, it works. But in real life, those things don't project black behind you. And it's very hard. To, and it's also very hard to keep the eye holes in the right place on your face. It's, it's a disaster of a costume. <laughs> it only works when you draw it. And uh, it's going to be a can be he he doesn't know what he's in for tonight and my wife is really artistic and she thinks she nailed it but i'm telling you this thing is not going to stay in place and no one's gonna know what it is is it too late to buy a black turtleneck and black jeans so that it doesn't do it i tried that again all the i'm not a scientist (laughs) and i feel passionately about this because i know i did all those things and it still doesn't the black is too far away from the sheet it doesn't it it just looks like it, it doesn't even look like holes. It just looks like there's a sheet on you. Well, it's, it right. it's, it's gonna drape. It's gonna drape down in yes. such a way that there's gonna be wrinkles, yes. in the, so the holes aren't gonna be like just flat against. It, life is not a cartoon. Yeah. Don't try and replicate cartoons in your costume. Life's not a cartoon, and you shouldn't pick your nose. Are the lessons of the day? I think. Yep. Same lesson. Um, well, if we if you have time, we could uh, do one quick story for our Patreon patrons. Um, is that cool with you, Joel? Depend how much are they paying. <laughs> not enough for this goal. Yeah, all right, no. But we should uh, yeah. wrap up the main episode. All right. Um, what is your uh, website, and the, where can people find all of their various projects? What's the best place to find I don't know. I'm, I, I'll, I'll just do one at a time. I, I, I should pick one. Listen to this podcast uh, that we're doing. It's brand new. It's called uh, Story of the Week, and it'll uh, it'll save you lots of time from actually having reading, actually doing any reading. Uh, or you could – I have – uh, my last book was called In Defense of Elitism, Why I'm Better Than You and You're Better Than Someone Who Didn't Buy This Book. And that seems applicable to this group. Very, very. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excellent. We'll check both of those out. And thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for uh, telling me all about your various fetishes. I really <laughs> Yeah. And you can find out more about uh, fetishes at probablyscience.com uh, or you can or on Twitter at probablyscience, individually at Andy T. Wood, at Jesse Case, and at Matt Kirshen. Probablyscience at gmail.com is the email address for any questions, comments, clarifications, stories you'd like us to cover. And also comments like um, Meg Hebing, who told us that 
uh, previous guest Brian Keating sent her the um, piece of the meteorite. That's that so cool. He promised. Whoa. Uh, so yeah, you can sign up to Brian Keating's mailing list, like he said, and you will get a meteorite. And Meg works at a small K through eight school in rural Oregon, and got to bring in a piece of meteorite for the science teacher to show the science class. By the way, Joel, you shouldn't feel any pressure to send anything to our listeners. If you want to, you can, but not comment. everybody has Everyone to send gets a meteorites. Comment. Okay. <laughs> yeah, a right. Courtesy of Joel Stein. So you heard it here first. First, first uh, thousand uh, people who sign up to his mailing list get a comment. Uh, everyone else, sorry, you're on your own. But uh, once again, Joel, thank you for joining us. And listeners, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks.